Good morning. Good to see you all here. I hope we have a better day today than we did yesterday. In other words, how many of you changed immediately out of your Wisconsin shirt, put on your Packer garb? Yeah, me too. That was one ugly game. But we keep praying for them, even though they do this to us every year. <laughs> Last week I talked about an unchangeable God and God's just the things that we can be secure in in Christ. Today I want to bring a little different twist to that, and that's the idea that there are things that we can lose as well. There are things that are absolute and secure, the love of God, the mercy of God, our sonship in Christ, our our um, eternal reward, those things are secure to us. But there are things we can lose as well. Chances that we'll miss and regret that we've missed. Things that we could have done that we didn't get to do. Things that God wanted to use us for that we missed the opportunity for. And I think some of those regrets are some of the worst of them all. Before I get any farther, though, let me just remind you that uh, Operation Christmas Child, again, is in full swing, and we need to be ready to get these things done and uh, make sure we support this ministry because it really does change lives. And um, did we show that video? Did I forget? I forgot, didn't I? All right, I'm going to go on. Do you need to see the video to be reminded how good Operation Christmas Child is? All right, go online and look it up anyway. It's there. (laughs) All right. For I am convinced, this is what I taught last week, that we are secure, that God has this amazing love, this unshakable grace for us, and we need to walk in that. I am convinced. So here are the five things I talked about last week, and then I'll get into this week's. One is our sonship, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hard to lose that, to say the least. You're in, your family. Enjoy it. Walk in it. His desire for our welfare, that God really does care where we're at. He cares what we need. He cares about what what our illnesses are, what our lackings are. He wants to provide for. He cares about our welfare. His love for us is unending. It can't be denied. It can't be walked away from. It can't be undone. God just really does love us because he is love. It doesn't go away. It just, it would be It would be impossible for him. He'd have to change who he is. He's the God of love. Our eternal destiny, that we're on our way to heaven and the journey gets sweeter every day. That I have a home waiting for me, a place that God has prepared for me. I've reached the point in my life where I believe that I'm going to stop looking for all the ends of the time signs. And I'm just going to start listening for the trumpet because I think we're that close. Jesus is coming to take us home. And finally, our, our final security, that place where we just walk secure in him in the eternal hope of who he is. So let's look today at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. This is a letter written to the church in Sardis. Now chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation um, are letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And in every one of them except for one, God says, this is who you are. Kind of what I talked about last week. This is who you are. You are an amazing church. I love you. I, I, um, I'm proud of you, whatever. But he always gets to the second part where he says, yet I have this against you. And this is where we are today. I'm at that point of saying, yet God expects something from us as well. 
We don't just get to glide through this life loved by Jesus, singing uh, how wonderful he is and just blessed we are, and then go do our own thing. God's called us to a higher standard, to a higher place. We're his children, and we need to act like his children. We're redeemed, we need to act like we're redeemed. There are things that God requires of us. And so the church of Sardis, he writes this. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars of God and holds <coughs> the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a re- reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before the Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's a couple of things I want us to notice in this. One is, hold it fast and repent. Hold it fast and repent. He says to the church in Sardis, look, you're doing okay, but you've left some things undone that I've called you to do. Some of you are still dressed in your fine linens, your purity, your whiteness, your redemption. Some of you are not. And I want you all to walk in that righteous white garb. I want you all to be the people I've called you to be. So he calls them to repent, hold fast to the things that they know. It's a challenge for us. The challenge in the church is that we get real used to being saved. We get real used to Church. We become church people, churchettes, church nuggets. We sit in our seat and this is my seat and we love what the church is doing and if the church does anything we don't love, we let them know. (laughs) I hear your cries. We get used to the church. We get used to our salvation. And that's, that's what this message is about. Don't get used to it. God is calling us up every day. Every day. He's calling us up to higher heights, to new truths that he wants to reveal to us. And they're not new to him, they're just new to us because we just discovered them. And he says to the church in Sardis, hold it fast. Those things that you first believed, those things you first heard, that salvation message, hold on to that. Don't become so used to it that you start to just take it for granted. This salvation, this amazing grace, this amazing grace is really what sets us apart. The understanding, the reality that I don't deserve one ounce of it. That God saved me because God is a Savior. That God loves me because God is love. 
That God redeemed me because he's a redeemer, not by anything that I have done. And it is that mystery that reminds me over and over again of just how precious this gift is. How valuable it is. A gift from God himself. As though he wrapped it up in a package and said, here you go, son, I have something for you. And I open it up and my sins are washed away. And I open it up and I'm redeemed all of the sudden. And I open it up and I'm standing in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And I take that gift and I say, man, God, this is amazing. And two days later, it's like that gift I gave to my son one year that he forgot all about. Right? He loved it for that day. And this salvation, we have to come back to it. We have to come back to that point of grace. We have to come back to that point of mercy and understand it and embrace it, embrace it, embrace it again and again and again. Repent of the casual way in which we walk in God's presence. Don't be like Samson. We all know the story of Samson. Samson and Delilah. You know, Samson had a wife too. You should read the story. Anyway, if you haven't, some of you went, what? Yeah, Samson had a wife and then he lost his wife and then he went running around with all the wrong people and you know how that goes. And this was his end. Judges chapter 16, verse 20. Then she said, or she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Four of the saddest words in all of the Bible are in this passage to me. I've read it a thousand times and it strikes me in the face every time. He did not know. Samson walked by the Spirit, did amazing, miraculous things by the Spirit. The power of God was mighty on him and he got so used to it that when he left... He didn't even notice the saddest four words in the Bible. He didn't know. God help us if that ever becomes us. That's my message today. If we shake ourselves and we wake ourselves up and we've taken our salvation so for granted and the grace of God so flippant, that we wake up one day and we think we're still walking in it, but we don't know the Spirit of the Lord has already left us. And we're walking in our own strength instead of His. And we're trying to do the good things of God, the righteous acts of God, of our own power. God, don't take your Spirit from me. I want it fresh and new, a new outpouring. To lose God's favor... Is beyond tragic. To wake up one day and not even know that you've somehow slipped away is beyond tragic. Samson did it. Let's not be in that number. Let us hold fast and repent. Moving on, John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Last week I talked about God is love. He just can't help it. He loves you no matter what. But there's notice the clause here. Remain in my love. Remain, remain, remain. It's not that God takes it away from us. It's that we walk out. And we forget just how amazing this love of God is and how transformative it is transformative it is in our own lives our assurance of his love can be shaken because we look at God's love sometimes like we look at everybody else's love and everybody else's love is some kind fickle amen you're awfully quiet right I love things and there are days I don't love them too right I love people, but there are times I lock myself in my office so you can't get at me. (laughs) I love you, but... Yeah, it's fickle sometimes. But God's love is not like that. It's assured of us. But there's a clause in this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. That means God's out here saying, follow me. Do what I want you to do. Do what I've asked you to do. Keep yourselves from the things of this world. Lock yourself in your closet with me and seek me. And we just ignore those commands time after time after time after time. And we ask ourselves, do I really love God? Do I really love God? Or do I just love his salvation? Do I just like the things he offers? Do I really love him? Because if I really love him, I keep his commands and I remain, therefore, in his love. And his love isn't something we just have good feelings about. It's that solid God love that can't be shaken. I need to remain in it. And when you feel unloved, and everybody feels unloved from time to time, that's why God made ice cream chocolate cake, things like that. So you could go home, sit down, eat a gallon of ice cream all by yourself and enjoy it and have your little pity party and wake up one day and say, oh yeah, now that I've gained 10 pounds, I remember God really does love me. It's not that touchy-feely kind of love. It's not tiptoe through the tulips kind of love. It really is that genuine article. And we need to embrace that love and remember it at all times that God loves us. Love him back. And prove your love to him by keeping his commandments. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. The Lord detests those whose hearts are, for, are perverse, but he delights, delights in those whose ways are blameless. Be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. His delight in our actions. And this may sound like kind of a restatement of what I just said, and it is a little bit, but it's still the same, it's still something very different. It's not just what I do, it's also what I don't do. That God delights in my actions. Am I doing really what he asked me to do? Am I really being faithful to the call of God on my life? Am I really outdoing the things the Lord has designed for me to do? You say, you know, I'm not always sure what those things are. You should be. 
They should be. They're really quite simple. They're really things that just make sense. Read the book of Acts and discover those people who became radical Christians became radical Christians. They just went out. Nobody told them, go preach here, go do this, go do that. They just went out and did it. Follow that example. Go live for Jesus every day. Go shine for him in the darkness. That's what he's called us to. And be sure of this. Be confident of this. That God has a call on your heart to be righteous, men and women of God. To stand out in the world. There's a whole bunch of people these days watering down this amazing grace, taking it so for granted, changing scripture, changing belief systems, altering their doctrine so it's not offensive. God help us to stand for truth. In this day and age, to stand for truth. And I don't care if the world applauds us. Live for the applause of God who's calling you out from this world. Be righteous. Be holy. Stand steadfast. Take a hold of this truth, this life, this gospel, this salvation, and don't let it go. Embrace it with all of your heart and all of your strength and run after the Lord and say, God, help me to be the man and the woman of God you've called me to be. God, help me in the darkness that we should shine. Be sure of this truth and hold on to it. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Discipline. I left the word rebuke out of this slide because it really is rough, isn't it? God rebukes me. You ever been rebuked by the Lord? If you haven't, you're not doing it right. I've been rebuked many times, and it's kind of painful. But look at what it says. It says, as, the, as a father, the son he delights in. If you have a father that doesn't discipline you and doesn't rebuke you once in a while, you're not loved by that father. Ouch. A loving father disciplines and rebukes his children. Why? Because he loves them. He's trying to rescue them, to save them, to help them, to lift them up, to help them become the people they need to be. A loving father does that. His discipline for us is righteous. It's correct to correct. It's the right thing to do. When God disciplines us, he's bringing us into alignment to save us from all kinds of junk in our lives. And we've all lived there. We've all said, okay, God, not today. I've got too much to do. And I'm going to make this decision without you. And we wake up a year later and think, why did I do such a stupid thing? Right? Instead of just trusting his discipline, his direction, his staff pulling us back in. He's trying to rescue us and to save us. His discipline is always right. It's always correct. It's always correct. He cannot do it wrong. He doesn't know how. Correct to be correct. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. 
The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachers come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. One of the things we can lose in our relationship with the Lord is our sense of guilt. (laughs) We get so used to our sins sometimes that we just get comfortable in them. It's just who I am. We make excuses for them. You know, I'm, I'm of Irish descent, so I have a hot temper. <clears throat> You're of Holy Spirit, uh, uh, a spirit descent too. Think about that. We get used to making excuses for ourselves. I've just always had a problem with this. I've just always struggled with this. Okay, let's talk about it. You know, there's an interesting passage in James chapter 5. I quoted part of it this morning. Here's some of the rest of it. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. It doesn't say confess your sins to God. It says confess them to one another. And in church, we get real comfortable with letting everybody think we're just all that. I'm a righteous dude. I look good. I sound right. I can preach the word. And you don't know the sins that I struggle with, and I don't know yours either. And Christians, that's a problem. It's a problem. Because in this brotherhood, in this relationship we have with one another, there is this need that we have for honesty and openness so that God can heal. And when we hide those things in those secret corners, in those secret places, and they're never exposed to the light, they remain in secret forever. And our hearts and our souls are eaten alive by them. And the Lord has come to set us free. So, don't lose your sense of guilt. If you're guilty, you're guilty. Admit it. Find someone you trust to pray with you, to work with you, to stand with you. Because if we confess our sins to one another, God promises he'll heal. You see, this relationship that we're in with God is much more than just a feeling. It's a commitment we make to follow after him, to keep his commandments, to stay in relationship with him, to not walk away, to not allow the things of this world to cave in on us, to not allow ourselves to become numb to his grace and numb to our guilt at the same time. The gospel reminds me that I need forgiveness every day. Every day. The gospel reminds me that I need the Spirit's power every day. The truth reminds me that I have a long way to go, but I'm still going. So follow me. It's more than a feeling. It's a commitment that we make. And the commitment is two ways. My commitment to Him and His commitment to me. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's hard sometimes to look at all these truths and these promises of God and say, yeah, I'm going to walk after it. It requires faith. Not looking around at your situation, not thinking, I've prayed this prayer a thousand times. I'm surely not, I surely don't need to pray it again. Yes, you do. Seek His grace every day. 
Bow at the foot of the cross one more time because the most amazing thing you will ever receive is His grace and His mercy. That God forgives us not one more time, but a thousand more times because we need it a thousand more times. That I need His Spirit to empower me again and again and again, not just once, but over and over so that I can stand righteous and strong in His presence. He's calling me up, not putting me down. He disciplines me because he loves me. He brings life to me. Trust in his power to save you. He's come to do just that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for this amazing grace that still every day I struggle to comprehend just how deep it is. Just how deep it is. And I know, Lord, that I test you on a regular basis and I thank you for allowing me to come back time after time again. I thank you for this congregation. We stand together in these truths. We need you more every day. We need your light and your life. We need your hope. We need your presence so that we can live in the darkness of this world as the light of God. So help us rise up, O Lord children of the Most High, and never forget just how amazing this grace is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.